all. Welcome to the first episode of the Clearly Confused Podcast. My name is Peter Pena, and I'm joined by my co-host, Julian Lopez. And Dio, Dio, Dio. You're going to get the perspective here of three college athletes, well, former college athletes, one current professional. And uh, one thing we've seen out in the public in terms of sport opinions, pop culture opinions, whatever you name it, is y'all are clearly confused. Exactly. Exactly. So. We're going to start up here on a nice topic going on right now. Baseball is close and dear to our hearts. And we got the ALCS and NLCS starting up right now. They're both in the midst, uh, in the middle of things and whatnot. So we're going to hear give you some analysis here on the ALCS. You know, Dio, for all y'all that don't know, big Red Sox fan. So he's going to take it away right here and just give us a breakdown of what's been going on, you know? We got some argumentative personalities, so be prepared to hear some yeah. uh, pretty fire facts. Dio, take it away, my brother. It's all passion, you know? At the end of the day, it's all passion. But um, starting off with the Red Sox, I mean, to be honest with you guys, like, I don't think we lose another game. Because the next two games are, are at home, right? And then, and then game six, and then game game six. You know what I'm saying? Game six and seven are are in Houston, right? Yeah, yeah, you're correct. Yeah, I don't think it goes back to Houston. I think we just take it. We just we're we're we've been hitting way too good. Pitching doesn't even matter at this point, to be honest. Like we're we're getting like ten hits a game. Even in the game that we lost, game one, we had ten hits. And to be honest, we should have probably taken that game. So I'm not worried about the pitching, especially in the back end of the series. I'm more worried about can we stay healthy because JD's still dealing with that ankle injury. Oh, okay. Devers with that forearm. Every time he takes a hack, I think his arm's going to fall apart, to be honest. Man, I that. thought his wrist was broken. Yeah, nah, <laughs> exactly. Nah, yo, it's crazy. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, his swings are like – and to be able to still generate that, that power is, is insane. But um, No, I agree. Who's, who's going for game four? Do, you, do we have starting pitchers for game four yet? We have probables. Uh, let's check it out right now. I'm going to give you some. Uh... Man, at this rate, it doesn't matter who the fuck the Astros throw. They're throwing some no-name motherfucker out there. Yo, and if you notice, if you've been watching the game, which I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys have, but, yo, Red Sox, they're they're starting it. Not starting, but they're, they're hitting okay. early in the count. We got Grinky and Pavetta going. Grinky? When was the last time he pitched? Last series. Hmm. <laughs> Say I could be wrong was a relief appearance to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I was about to say I was like I don't think he pitched that he's much. He's been having time. a down season. That's why. Yeah, yeah. But Granky, you know, he's always he's always funky with his pitches. So we just got to get early early in accounts and not you know not wait till we get deep in accounts. To be honest, right. one person that I'm really liking like deep in account, no matter what count it is, to be honest, is fucking um what's his name Verdugo. He's been having some good ABs lately. Yeah, I mean, it's a Red Sox team that doesn't strike out much, so you're always going to get good at-bats out of everybody in that lineup. Hell yeah. So, deal. just so I'm clear here, though, you're going Sox in, in five. Five. Sox yep. in five. And, like, <laughs> before, dude, before you take this, this over and provide your own analysis, I just want to know something. Is there anything, Dio, that you're, like, worried about? Like, obviously, you're going Sox – Astros got a fighter's chance. They got a puncher's chance, whatever you want to call it. Is there anything they can do that really is going to, like, be a kryptonite to the Red Sox that they can, you know, gives them best chance to win, essentially? To be honest, the only thing is 
if they take if they take a road game. So they, they have to I, win at Fenway, you're saying, and that'll give they them. Have, they have to win tonight, I think. I think tonight's a do or die for them. Okay, I like that. It's good stuff, but dude, dude, you got anything to add on this? You got your own man. I just want—I just want to start off by saying the Red Sox have gotten lucky as fuck the last couple of days. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> or hot. Or nah, hot. nah, nah. Think about it like this. Look, these games have led to blowouts because of two really big errors, and they both come from Jose motherfucking Altuve. The late, come the on, last now. guy you would expect, yeah, mm-hmm. bro. What? He's getting Sunday hops. And botching it, costing any any double plays that lead to a fucking grand slam. Like, come on, bro. That's that's where it began. If he makes that play, it's a it's a ball game. Like, bro, come on. That's the Astros team that's hitting, no matter what. So I don't know, man. I think the Astros are going to be able to make that comeback. It's probably going to go seven games, in my opinion, because how reliable can the Red Sox pitching really be? Like, can they really contain the Astros' offense? for another couple wins. I don't think so. I don't so know. I think it's going to be a bloodbath. Hold on. Are you, are you telling me right now, even though with what the Red Sox have done this year, offensively specifically, you're still taking the Astros offense? I'm still taking the Astros offense because, man, I told you, I told you, Pete, Boston Red Sox have been the top three offense all year, right? Yeah, you said that off air. You did say that. And but, they statistically but, backing but it up. Who, but who is number one? It's the Houston Astros. And okay. that's, that's where it comes down to. Like, I think that offense is going to wake up and it's going to be something where they're going to get into Boston's bullpen and Boston's not going to be able to stop them. So you, you don't believe in the core effect? I believe in the core effect, but I don't believe in your bullpen, bro. He's been, that bullpen, he's, he's been with that the Houston. Atrocious, he's bro. been with Houston for what? He was with Houston for like three years or something? Yeah. Roughly, yeah, something like that. Absolutely. So he, he knows that lineup. I mean, it's you know, there's different players like Kyle Tucker is emerging and stuff, but like he knows the lineup up and down. He knows the lineup, but the whole difference is it is that you got Dusty Baker coaching now instead of AJ Hinge. Like he doesn't know, but Dusty Baker, like he knew AJ Hinge. That would have been a think, different conversation. But do you think Dusty Baker, like we all know something here, and this is something we got to like bring to the forefront. It's one of the teams that started this analytical revolution. They're highly analytical. They were analytical when Hinch was there. They're still analytical now with Baker. I agree with Dio that Cora makes a big effect on the game. He's a great manager. Dusty Baker is doing the same thing. Like, is he just not? I, don't get me wrong. Dusty Baker is a great manager. He has a track record. The dude definitely has ability in terms of his job. But are you saying that he's really adding that much? as the manager to a team that's clearly being driven by analytics and I'm not knocking them. They're doing great with it. But are you really thinking Dusty Baker's adding that much to where core is not going to, he's going to be blindsided by some things. That's a good point. It's not necessarily that he's going to be blindsided by anything, but it's a matter of analytics can only take you so far. If your bullpen starts to collapse against one of the top offenses in all of baseball, I just Mm -hmm. don't, I, I can't, I can't put any belief behind that that bullpen, bro. And I think it's I think it's also tendencies. You know, he's used to AJ Hinge's tendencies, but ba- maybe not Baker's. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think Baker's gonna bring more of a human side to it. Than, yes. More than just analytics, because there yeah. are. I mean, if you looked at the fucking New York Yankees all season, they depended so much on analytics that it completely fucked them, especially when it came to how to use the bullpen. And I don't think Dusty Baker's one to fall for that. We'll get- I completely agree with you. 
I completely agree with you. And all I'm going to say is I, I – people are driving analytics through the roof here. And let me just say this. This is my little rant for the day. Analytics have always existed in baseball. What people yeah. don't understand is when you look at statistics, like let's just use Carlos Correa. If I'm looking at his splits and I'm saying what's his stats versus righties versus lefties, that is, that's existed before we were even born probably. And that's an analytic. You know, I think every – doesn't get that analytics only differs because certain analytical teams are weighing certain stats higher or lesser than other teams are weighing those same statistics you know what i mean when you rely too much on your analytical team to do that that's where the problem start begins and i agree with you when you say analytics can only take you so far because i think you need that baseball element that a guy like a dusty baker core brings because the computer guys this is what you need to weigh more and weigh less the computer is only going to follow the formula you're telling the computer that that on base percentage doesn't mean much but batting average because we weigh that 10 times more the computer is going to just follow what you're saying so really analytics has been around for a while I agree with you. And, like, when, when teams are failing and they're doing this, they're just relying on the wrong people or just people that are misinformed. So I absolutely agree because you look at the Yankees, you made a great point. Clearly something's going on there where they're just weighing certain things the wrong way, you know, and it's just not working out. So I absolutely agree. But, yeah, let's go back to the analytical thing. Yeah, game no. one. Game one, right? Yeah. Houston, th- they throw eight pitchers at, at, rest, at, the, at Boston, right? Right. They needed Urquidez to go at least five or six last night, and he didn't. That's going to hurt them in the back end. Absolutely. Absolutely. The the whole thing is just the Astros are depleted when it comes to starting pitching. They have nothing. But even their bullpen, like they they used them for for game one, all eight of them. You know what I'm saying? They needed at least six from Urquidez. We got six from um, Eduardo, so that's what we needed because we also use a lot of pitchers, but I just think we're healthier in the back end of the series. You know what I'm saying? Even if it does go six and seven, I think we'll we'll pull it off because of that. So, Joe, who are you taking in these seven games? Who who who? Give me a final prediction, just right now. Who do you think you said is going yeah, seven? The Yankee guy. Oh yeah, but yeah, he's still. You never know. Oh <laughs> yeah, you're, you're asking the Yankees fan. I mean, I'm I'm still going with Houston. I think Houston pulls off a, a comeback. It's just okay. you also got to think like that experience they have and just juggling together and that camaraderie, just being able to fight back and not giving up. They have that, and it, a lot of it comes down to the factor. Who the fuck's not gonna like curl up into a ball and just give up? Like, man, you so, look at that lineup. That whole lineup has experience in playing in big games, and these next few games are gonna be the biggest games of their lives. So, so can we so, can we agree can we agree that the winner of this series? Is gonna win the World Series or not? Uh, no. I don't know about no. that. I don't no. know about that one. No. <laughs> Who's putting up the runs about... like us? It's not. It's not even that. But you're comparing the these two pitching staff compared to. You look at Atlanta. Their one through three would be number one on Houston. They'd probably be number, what two and three in Boston. No, I, to be honest with you, probably career wise, they'd be two or three. I think this year. Anybody on it, the top three in Atlanta would also probably be one or th- one or two this year. Yeah, you know, Chris, I mean, we've talked about it a little true. off air, but Chris Sale isn't Chris Sale. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying he'll never get there, but right now he's not there. I mean, he and just Evaldi, got back. Yeah, and Evaldi, Evaldi, he has great stuff, but I always see guys that usually struggle with velocity 
they put great swings on it. So I just wonder if the spin rate, you know, is not there to where his stuff just looks flatter. The gun says 99, but it's getting turned back 110 a lot, you know? So, like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I agree. I, I take the, I'll take LA and Atlanta's pitching staffs over these two. So that'll be interesting. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. but I, I'll go my prediction here. And I'm, I, you know, I'm not the biggest Red Sox supporter, but I think I'm going to go, honestly, Sox and six. I think they close it out in Houston. I think Houston takes this game, but I think tonight, but I think the, the Sox will bounce back and win uh, tomorrow. And I really do think they'll win the first game in Houston. I really think they're not playing. We're about to get into a very heated debate, very real quick, but I do think the Red Sox have the better offense this year, you know? Uh, and I think, like you said, I like like Dio said, I just genuinely – and, we, you know, Julian mentioned too, I just think the pitching staff is, you know, for right now the Red Sox have a better pitching staff. And I think that at the end of the day that's going to really put them over. Yeah, we're just healthier. So, yeah, yeah, of course. But that's that's what I'm going with. I'm going with mm-hmm. right now. Cause I, we all know we got Verlander in the – you know, that, that would have been a big, you know, X. Huge. Absolutely. But – this this is gonna yeah. this brings this is a good segue. This is a good segue into our next topic. And you know, Dio, once again, we're on the socks, so I want you to start this off, give us some great analysis. We're gonna have a highly, you know, three way debate. All, you know, the Red Sox statistically, as Julian alluded to, they are very good statistically this year as an offense. Do you really think that this is one of those offenses though that you're gonna put down as one of the best juggernaut offenses of all time, or do you think this is just a product of your team? just really finding a lot of luck in terms of a lot of guys at the same time. Nobody's taking anything away with them, but what do you think it's more? Do you think that this is going to be something we got to look forward to in the years to come, the same type of performances? Or do you think these are kind of like just all the right guys hitting their right peaks at the right time? Well, I think luck is is where preparation meets opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Like ah, that, that one it. quote. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Oh, and to be honest, I'm going to go back yeah. to my point. I think Alex Cora, he just prepares the team to be ready for any situation. You know what I'm saying? And right. yeah, he uses analytic, but it's the small ball. It's butting the guy over. It's getting the job done that he, he emphasizes to his team that I don't know about the best offense of all time. But, like, definitely in the playoffs, yeah. I, I would definitely agree with that. You know, there's one player on your team who completely changed the entire way the offense works. You know that, right? J.D.? Who is it? Yeah, bro. Look at J.D. He's the biggest, probably one of the biggest analytic guys on that team. He knows how the swing works. He knows people's approaches, how everybody should be hitting. And if you look at videos of him working with Mookie Betts, the guy's – fucking genius and you're telling me he's not gonna rub off on that lineup oh my god the way kike hernandez woke the fuck up in what august and hasn't cooled off yet like bro i mean i think i think it's i think it still is a team peaking at the right time like i don't think this is something that they're gonna carry into the next two three years 100 percent. and that's something that age is gonna factor into as well i mean how old is jd martinez i mean i don't know well whenever he does retire he's gonna be the best hitting coach in the mlb you know probably we're gonna to get to a lot of disagreeing here soon. Uh, JD's thirty-four, by the way, Ju. Um, he, we're gonna to get to a lot of disagreeing here soon. But something I can agree with: JD Martinez really is the X factor off the field, and I do think he's gonna be a great hitting coach. I honestly wanted to bring this up, and I think this is the right time to do it. Mookie Betts is still a hell of a player, but clearly, when Mookie Betts has gone to LA, we've seen that. Like, I'm not trying to say he's gotten he's worse. Not- 
Yeah, but like I really think he felt comfortable having JD there helping him with his swing and whatnot, and they always find tuning. Absolutely. Teams. I mean, the guy went from a ten war guy to what, like six, seven. Yeah, but it, that's it, a yeah. drop off. It would. It was also who 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 he had behind him backing him up. You know what I'm saying, bro? He's in a Dodgers lineup. You can't even say that. What you mean, bro? I mean, look at Bellinger. Who is? I mean, you still got Muncy. You still got Turner. These guys are behind him. Like, yeah, but bro. look at Bellinger. Yeah. Bellinger was the best player on that team for years, and Dio made a good point. That dude's a shadow of himself right now. Like, not all these guys are doing too hot. They're just names at this point, you know? Yeah, Bellinger, he's just, he's just been fucking with his swing way too much. He's way too in his head right now. That's don't worry. Don't after. worry. We'll get there. We still got to stay on this topic here. Like, let's be honest. Drew, you kind of mentioned it. They won't be the same. I have to. I have to agree. This is why we got into fights in the, you know off the air here a little bit. Is that I think this offense is really reaping the rewards of JD Martinez being a great like leader off the field, but I really don't think they're going to maintain the success in 22, 23, or 24, and I genuinely think that's what's not going to lead them to winning the World Series this year because I really have my World Series winner coming out of the National League regardless of who takes this ALCS. Oh, as do I, as do I. It's... Yeah. We can I mean, we can is... agree to disagree. The thing is, I was, I was kind of saying the Red Sox are currently the best offense in baseball. I don't know where the fuck you got. They're the best offense in all of fucking I'm not saying history. the best offense that. of all, but you think about, and, you know, Dio knows this better than anybody. You think about those World Series teams. Like, really, you can argue when, when Poppy was there and with Manny specifically, too, those are some of the best offenses of all time, and that's clearly what powered them. They're winning see, but, those championships, you know, see, now, and that's see, what's happening right now. But, see, but now, I, that's what I'm trying to tell you. I think it's just like Dio's mentioned. Uh, Dio, I'm gonna give it to you in like a second here. I think Cora is just uniting them to giving them the belief that they're like, you know, they can do this. And I just don't know if this is a sustain, sustainable approach. Like, I'm not saying for this year necessarily, but I'm talking about the years to come. Dio, go ahead, bro. Well, you gotta also think like. That 0-4 team, it's it's name value, you know what I'm saying? So when you look at the lineup and you see Manny, Ortiz, Damon, uh, who else? Trot Nixon, Jason Veritek. Like these are names that we grew up on. So like, yeah, like I guess often names, yeah, they were better offense, but if you look at the numbers, this year, like, we're doing things offensively that we haven't done since I want to say like 13 when we won the championship, you know what I'm saying? Right and K- right. and Kike Kike's a big a big deal with all that with all those numbers, and I honestly think it is because of Kike. You know what I'm saying? Like if you take if Kike struggles a little bit, our numbers aren't that good. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, everyone's, absolutely. Everyone's doing a job. Everyone has a job, and they're doing their job. I think that's what Core preaches to them, and they're just they're just they're just trying to keep it as simple as possible. But they're getting these crazy monster numbers. No, I, I totally agree. I can't. I can't disagree with that. I, I genuinely believe that. I think for me, I always look big picture, and I know a lot of these ML, like these organizations do too. They're not looking just at this year. They're looking ten years down the road. And I just worry that like a guy like Kike, he's having his best stretch ever. Obviously, he won't be at this level. He's going to sustain it. But like, is this what is this the turning point where Kike Hernandez isn't just that like kind of sixth man for the Dodgers? anymore no. like now he's a legitimate household no. superstar name i don't know that's what i'm kind of wondering think, i think this is a dilemma where the red sox are going to be facing something the yankees faced last year when dj lemay who hit free agency what are you going to do with a guy like kike that's been hitting like this we signed you gonna give years. him yeah i know but are you going to give him that extension for another what six years 
I don't think that's, that's what how he's going to be looking. If he's if he's hitting like this, that's what he's going to be looking for. I don't think that's how uh, Bloom works. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's not how Bloom works. But it, I mean, if it's a guy like this hitting like this, then you have money. Like Boston has money. Yeah, but if it was just because of that, we we should have just paid Mookie. You know what I'm saying? But instead, uh, he, he. I he mean, bro- he's not gonna he's not gonna get Mookie money. I'm talking like twenty mil a year. How how old is Kike? I don't know. Kike's I mean, thirty does, years does old. That... He just turned thirty this year. Like, that's, a, that's a DJ LeMahieu predicament right there happening. That's six years, fifteen million a year. I don't know. But we still have to sign uh, Devers to an extension. Like we we have a lot of things we need to figure out this all season. Yeah, but where's Devers in arbitration? Is he even in arbitration? That I will. I cannot confirm that right yeah, now. Yeah, I can't confirm that. Also. Hold on. But it says he's make he's making um 4.5 million this year. Yeah, he's probably going into arbitration now. This is what year 3. He came in what 18? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's he'll, he's hitting arbitration. You're right. He's 24. He'll be hitting arbitration this year. You're right. Can you can you guys inform me of arbitration again? So basically when you when you hit the big leagues, you have to hit 6 years to become a free agent, 6 years of service time. Once so it's like hit, a rookie contract. Yeah, but you but it only starts like it's weird and it's very controversial because it only starts once you hit the big league. Like all those minor league years don't really like add up too much. And then you're able to take your numbers being your resume to an arbitrator, a lawyer, and you figuring what you think your numbers are worth and the club will do it too. And if they're not similar, it's up to the arbitrator to determine which figure is more accurate and more deserving. So, basically, Devers is up for that this year where, you know, based on his season, he can put in a number, let's say, $10 million, And I don't know what the Red Sox are going to say. They might say five just to not pay as much. And it's up to this lawyer to see what's, what's fair. He can go in the middle. He can go a little towards Devers, a little towards the Red Sox. You know, that's just basically feel like what's going to happen there. Devers okay. is going into year one of arbitration now? I think, yeah, this was this – was, I think he already – from what I understand, we can look at this more. I think this is his fourth season because 2020 counted as a full year. That was his third year. So I already think he's done arbitration, but I think this is another year. Obviously, this is another year of arbitration going to this offseason. So I wonder, he had a really good year. I wonder how high he's going to go with that figure. I mean, you saw a judge. He went $10 million, I believe, $10 million plus uh, after a very yeah. similar season to Devers, and he won his case. So I can see something like that happening. And again. another thing is Judge is only going up to $17 million this year. So it's not right. like he's going to get like Mookie Betts type of last year of arbitration deal. No, right. But I think we're on some good stuff in this topic. And this is something I want to ask you guys both, but I'm going to start with Dio again. Um, I'm going to tweak this debate. You you guys made a good – you guys were just talking about it. You, you're trying to uh, see what direction the Red Sox are going. They have a lot of things to figure out, Dio said, before you even worry about Kike. What I want to know is you look at the Tampa Bay Rays. That's a team that's always competing in what my opinion is the toughest division in baseball. They're always putting out a, com- a very competitive product to the point where they're making the playoffs even if they don't win the division, and they really never have a household name. So do you think the Reds – to try to take a more Yankee big market approach in terms of like use this Cora effect and find these guys that are of like lesser names or just up and coming prospects like a Verdugo, like a Hunter Renfro, which is develop these guys or just empower these guys and work with these guys to the point where you're going to constantly expect them to finish in fourth place. But you look at the standings at the end of the year, 
you're first or second in the division and you're making the wild card or winning the division, one or the other. You know, do you think they're going to take the small ball approach, the small market approach, or <clears throat> big market approach going forward? Here's the thing. Um, the big difference between Boston and Tampa Bay is farm systems. That's another thing you got to think about. Right. I think Tampa Bay can take that approach because they're consistently – they well, they were consistently having number one picks. They were having top ten picks every year up until they started making a run a couple years ago. And now you also have to think about what they do internationally. They spend a shit ton of money on international players, and they're not going for you know, $300,000 players. They're going for the top players. You look at Juan Franco. You look at Brudal, who's in AAA, still waiting to come up. And, I mean, that guy's a top 100 prospect as well. Like, they have so much waiting that it's just – there's no farm system built like this. Right. That's another thing you got to think about. So they can take that approach. And you look at Boston, you look at their prospects. What do they have? Their best prospects is who? Jeter Downs, who hit like 190 this year. I mean, he's definitely a top 30. And I don't, you're right. I don't think he had a good year. But That's, that's where you got to think about it. So I think they, they don't have a choice but to kind of see what is, what's out there in free agency and try to spend money on something big, especially pitching. They absolutely need to spend money on pitching. And that's where I think they might make a run at somebody, like a prove-it deal for like Syndergaard. I don't know why you wouldn't. It's not going to be too expensive. So. This is, uh, what's, what's your take, Dio? What you got to say? I think it's a. I think it's going to be a mixture of both because it's like it's like Julian said. Like we need to pay big money for a pitcher. You know what I'm saying? Like we need mm-hmm. we need that third that third guy just in case Sale goes down or Evaldi's not having a good good couple stretches. And right. I'm looking at the free agency right here, and I think we're just I think we're going to go like middle of the pack. You know what I'm saying? Right. Just yeah. I get what you're saying. I get where you're coming from. Because I think like, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep a small ball with our hitters because it's again it's it's a continuity thing you know you have to like right. it's all it's all about what works in the locker room but pitching you have we have to spend the big bucks on on pitching we can't we can't be shy to spend money on pitching and Bloom <laughs> needs to get up he needs to get out of his head that this ain't Tampa you know what I'm saying just like Julian said like they're able to build their players through the farm system we trade our players. For play for big name players, we trade our farm system for big name players. So it's 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 kind of like a give and take there. But I think it's going to be both. I think we're going to actually take both approach. Okay. No, I mean I, I can totally see it. You know, I just I, it, that's what blows my mind is that you know everybody says it every year. You know, they thought the Yankees were going to run away at this division. Tampa, they thought would be a close second. I can't. I was honestly, I was in that boat. I'll admit my wrongs. I really thought Boston had a chance of finishing in last place. So it's really astonishing to see what they were able to do with what people thought were just misfit, you know, an island of misfit toys. And they're two wins away from representing the American League in the in the World Series. So I just wonder if they're going to continue to do that. And honestly, if they do, I just feel like it's an exciting thing. I feel like people are more prone to watch teams like this and get more excited for teams like this and then just see the Dodgers or, you know, the Giants or the Cardinals every year, year in and year out in these, Absolutely. you know. You know, yeah, exactly. It's exciting. You want to see these new teams uh, perform and, and make it far. And I think it's exciting for me because, you know, the Red Sox are probably also one of those teams that are also, you know, always far in the postseason. But it's like, you know, you look at teams that are just, like, really not doing too hot. You think the Pirates, you think the Reds, just small market teams like that. You wonder as a fan – of just the game and then maybe a fan of those teams specifically like, yeah, hey, take the same approach here. 
really work on your player development, and we can probably do the same thing and compete against the guys like John Carlos Stan, Aaron Judge on these big juggernaut teams. I mean, yeah, it's going back to Moneyball, but it's like, dude, what are we doing? Like, it's happening year in and year out. Let's get some inspiration here. But uh, I think that's enough on the American League. Let's hop over to the other side here. The NLCS, we got the Braves going 2-0 right now and the Dodgers, both via the walk-off. Uh, we got game three tonight, Charlie Morton versus Walker Bueller. Uh, it's in L.A. Uh, feel free, whoever wants to take this to start. But let me get a quick analysis of what you've seen, you know, via highlights, via games, and, and where you see the series playing out and who's going to represent the National League in the World Series. I mean, who would have thought the fucking Atlanta Braves would be going fucking punch for punch with a juggernaut like the Dodgers? Like, come on, bro. Wait, weren't they in NLCS last year? Nah, nah. They lost in the NLDS. Oh, okay, okay. All right. Um, But, yeah, I mean, shit. the, The biggest thing is once you get past... The starting pitcher for the Dodgers. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Dude, I'm going to let you keep going. Just, I want to call you, you know, we're going to do some Tony reality, call you out when you make a mistake. You got to remember, Dodgers did beat Braves in seven games last year. Braves blew, blew a 3-1 lead, all of the Warriors. Damn. In the DS? No, in the CS. You were right, Dio. You were okay, right. okay. Yeah. Um, they, but keep going. I think the thing is, Atlanta is also built as a team that doesn't strike out a lot. And that's the whole thing. Like, you're able to battle against whoever the Dodgers is throwing, their starters. You've looked at the last two games. Like, they've been able to get them out of the game early and just work into that bullpen. And that's a tired-ass bullpen. That's a bullpen that's been struggling all year as well. And, I mean, shit. Once you get to the bullpen and you got a team like Atlanta that just puts balls in play and puts pressure on the defense and – it, it ends up leading to mistakes eventually, and that's where Jack Peterson is just capitalizing on people. And a team like that, they're always going to need somebody to step up with, without Acuna. And you look at fucking Freeman. He's not even doing shit, so just wait till Freeman wakes the fuck up. I think this is a series where it's going to be Braves in five. Braves in five. I like that. Deal. Yeah. You got a spicy prediction for us or what? What are you seeing with this analysis so far, dude? I mean, I agree with him. I haven't been watching this series because I'm so invested in the Red Sox, obviously. But completely understandable. Completely understandable. But uh, I think I think the Braves. I think it's still a series. You know, I th- I I don't know yet. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. Dodgers, they just have to do their job, which is protect their home field. Home field. You know what I'm saying? So if they do that, then it's still the same thing. So I just gotta wait till this game goes because this is a must win for the Dodgers. If they lose this, it's over. It's it's yeah. over. Now, do you have a prediction right now, though, or do you still want to kind of just wait and, and see how game three goes? For, I mean, if you're going to make a prediction when the Braves are – Like, I'm really making predictions. At yeah, that exactly. I, I think I'm going to skip on prediction for this series. Oh, we got to skip. Well, listen, I'm going to piggyback off what both you said. I think you both hit on great points. I think I'm going to start with Dio first. I agree. I agree that you really – even though the Braves are up 2-0 and that seems like such a monumental lead, they literally blew a 3-1 lead to the same team in the same round of the playoffs last year. You exactly. know, blew a 3-1 lead, and we're getting to the same similar territory. And and now the Braves, like you mentioned, I mean, sorry, the Dodgers, like you mentioned, they have the home field advantage for the rest of the series. Uh, they have three games left in L.A., as opposed to the Braves only having two more left uh, out in Atlanta. So, I don't know. I mean, Charlie Morton's 
fantastic pitcher. Love the guy. Think he's so dominant. But you look at who he's facing. He's looking across. He's looking. It's one of the few that can say that. So it's like, I don't know. I've always been a fan of the Dodgers' versatility in their players. I like the way the club is run. I like the defense. I like the offense, even though some of the guys are really not even performing to what they're capable of. I think Will Smith is the best catcher in the game, uh, at least offensively. Um, I don't know. This is going to be a tough one for me. I really think Atlanta is going to finally break through, and I'm going to go with Julian. I'm going to go Braves in five, and I feel like it's crazy to think of because everybody thought when Acuna went down, that was it for them. They would win the division probably, but they weren't making it past the DS. And here we're talking. There's still two wins away from the World Series. So, like, I guess it goes to my last point. Like, who's more valuable to this team moving forward? Is it Ronald Acuna Jr. or is it Freddie Freeman? Yeah. That's the big fucking question right there. <laughs> but does it have to be one of them? Oh, that absolutely has to be one of them because like, you got to pay. You got to pay. Are you going to pay Freeman fucking franchise player type money right now? And <laughs> can they even afford that? That's you also you also got to look at the at the clubhouse. I, like I'm I'm sorry for even like bringing this up, but like it's true. Like what Freddie brings to that clubhouse, like I don't think Acuna brings to that clubhouse. I can totally agree with that. As far as, like, stability and, like, togetherness, you know what I'm saying? He's like the dad. Absolutely. You know, I think think it's a similar thing here to, like, and I think this is a good segue to get into our next topic. You look at the NBA. I've been seeing a lot of stuff on IG lately where a couple guys, I think it was Richard Jefferson, and I can't remember the next name, but they both said that both were teammates of – Right. And they were talking about their career and they said the most talented player they ever played with was actually Vince Carter in terms of just natural ability. They think it's Vince Carter over LeBron, but they're not even. I think it was somebody. I think it was Fry. And and I know one was Jefferson. One might have been Fry. And (laughs) what I'm getting at is LeBron's still a natural freak, but he worked on his skills to even take them to another level. And he's also just such a great leader on and off the court. I think it's a similar thing. Like, I think in natural talent Ronald Acuna Jr. unquestionably in terms of baseball and how they refine themselves how they work on themselves you can make there's no real argument Freddie Freeman is the most disciplined hitter one of the top five most disciplined hitters within their approach within the baseball you know from what you see with the eye test I think he's a great clubhouse guy he seems to get along with almost everybody either on the team or off the team did you see how defuse that situation when uh I believe Soto got thrown at, and the, the Nationals weren't liking that during the regular season. He walked right over. The- you know, I think it says a lot when Max Scherzer says, you're the best yeah. hitter. You're the best hitter I've ever faced by far. So, you know. But I think we've hit our hit our points enough on baseball. You know, the NBA is right around the corner here, and I know it's a big, hot topic. This is something we can really talk smack on here. So, I want to get into some preview about the NBA. You know, I want to start off. Do you guys see any sleeper teams out west, out east, either or, both? I don't I don't care. Do you see a sleeper team right now? I think I have one myself, but I really want to talk on this topic. A sleeper team that's going to surprise you, make a run at this, maybe even just make a run at the whole thing at the end of the year. Can we can we can we include the Warriors as a sleeper or is that <laughs> I, mean, I mean, hey, that's not a bad. Yo, 
I'm not joking. That's not bad. A lot of people write are writing. No, and they the have no one's. I don't think a lot of people are gonna sleep on him once they see what the fuck Clay Thompson is doing. Listen, I, not, I know. But I, go ahead, go ahead. He's not supposed to be back till February, I think. Yeah, yeah I think January February is gonna be a couple months, which sucks. But I don't know. I mean, I can. I it's a team that's missed the playoffs back to back years, and they were the worst team in the league, I think, two years ago. So honestly, I really think they can be put in as a sleeper team. I like that pick. You know, and I feel like their team that could win the championship potentially after missing the playoffs back to back years. You know, for me, for me, before you go ahead, you I know you're gonna say who I know who you're gonna say. Go ahead, say it for me if you think. Oh yeah, dude. That's I'm not yo, <laughs> you know me well. I'm serious, dude. I like what I'm seeing. I know it's preseason, but I really like what I'm seeing. I think Lonzo and Levine have a chemistry off the hook. Love it already. That's the light skin connection right there. Lonzo's shots is getting so much better. This, this is where you got- guys are going to give me a lot of crap, but I think someone who's prone primed to have a breakout season and really help this team push forward in the Eastern Conference, the Caruso baby, the Caruso, Alex Caruso. So I really, I'm taking the Bulls. I really think the Bulls can make a run at this. I agree with you, man. Uh, I like their pickups. I like Lonzo with Levine and DeMar DeRozan. Don't forget him. With Vucevic, Ampering that D. I'm telling you, uh, this team could be – I wouldn't be surprised if they're like a 4-3 seed, you know what I'm saying, in the East. Absolutely, and anything can happen in the East. We know that. I mean, obviously, they're depleted a little bit here and there, but still, I mean, the Bucs took that and they they ran with it, won the championship. So I just feel like that's going to happen in the East. Every year from now, I don't think one team is going to dominate the East. I think it's a. Parody. I mean, I think it's a big loss that Kyrie's not going to be playing pretty much this year. We're going to get on the Kyrie topic. Oh fuck! I mean, I, I don't know how you can avoid that topic. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? That guy. Oh my god! Kind of glad he didn't sign with the Knicks. Hey, you know what's crazy oh, though? Shit. What's up? Is that you can play in New York if you're not vaccinated? You just can't be a resident in New York. And be unvaccinated. So, like, when um when Bradley Beal goes to New York and play, he's going to be able to play because he's not a resident of New York. So, he doesn't have yeah, to be vaccinated. Teams, travel teams don't have to play. Anybody that's outside from outside of the state of New York can play. You don't have to okay, be vaccinated. Okay, so if, I, if, I, was Kyrie, here if I was Kyrie, just move, just move to Connecticut or move nah, to Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nah, why do you say nah to that? What's, what's the, what, what, is, is Deal missing something or is you just saying he's not going to do that? I'm just saying he's not going to do that, bro. He's He loves New York, man. I mean that's – That's the reason. I understand that. This is the first I'm hearing about that, and that kind of adds another wrinkle in this. Like, what the heck, dude? Like, first exactly. off, I mean, I don't want to get political, but, like, that just makes no sense. That exactly. people from other teams can – You live here and play, you can't. It makes no sense. Because here's the thing, like, let's say he does move to Connecticut, like – I don't understand how that would change anything because he's still coming to New York every day. Same thing for the opposing teams, but whatever. That's above my pay grade. I just don't understand, Drew, why he wouldn't. Like, I understand he, what he's trying to do. And a lot of people are saying he's bringing the unvaccinated and vaccinated together by taking a big stand here and being in the middle of all this, like, you know, me. But, like, dude, it's a simple. Okay. You know, and stuff almost every day, but Connecticut is right around the corner. It's like a 30-minute drive, no traffic, fingers crossed. And honestly, you have a lot more property and probably a lot more peaceful life, which it seems like 
he enjoys with all his uh, shaman rituals and, you know, all that stuff. So I don't understand why he wouldn't. I feel like the thing is that you've seen – there's so many players that talk about it, but how big of a, like, factor is that New York doesn't – the Knicks don't practice in New York City. They have to go out to Westchester. So now imagine having to live outside of Brooklyn, like outside of New York in general, and just still have to travel to all the practices, all the games. That's from Jersey. It's not a thirty-minute drive, bro. That's good. that's just gonna turn into an hour drive every fucking day. Yeah, but those it, are it, it, those are little things that they it gets to them, and those are reasons that I don't know. I don't think he. That's yeah, but that he's it, interested in. it's it's all about sacrifice, and if he can make that sacrifice, then that's what he has to do. You know, if he doesn't want to take the vex the shot, then. Just do that sacrifice. You know, it's like a, it's a simple solution to everything. Just move out of New York and come back to your team. You know, if you don't want to be vaccinated. Absolutely. I mean, I, I agree with Dio on this 100%. Because that's Cause the thing, try, too. He, I mean, he, yeah, go ahead. Keep going. He tried to get the, the um, religious exemption and they didn't give it to him. I'm like, yo, he's a, he's a full devout Muslim or whatever he is. Like he needs to like that. That's his religion. He's he's following that. It's not like he just got on that just to avoid this. Like, it's just it's 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 a slippery slope. You know what I'm saying? And here's the thing, though. I think the whole thing with that the ruling is is that if you play, if your employer is the Brooklyn Nets, you have to be vaccinated. I don't think it has to do with living in a certain area. It, it all has to do as to where the employer resides, and if they reside in New York City, then. It's a dub. You got to do whatever they got to do. That's so you're saying you're saying the vax. It's it's the employer. It's not the residency. It's not the residency. It's the employer. If your team resides in New York, research. City, you have to do it. We can do yeah, that research for episode two. But like, I agree. I I'm gonna have to. I think a deal kind of just said it under you know a little quietly, but I kind of agree. Like, it, it doesn't matter because at, at the same time you have people coming in your stadium and coming into your arena and playing for extended period of time that aren't vaccinated. So, like, it's kind of like an oxymoron. It's like, you know, we're talking about the unvaccinated getting people sick. Well, now, why isn't there a uniform thing? Because you're going to be playing almost an unvaccinated person, like, I want to say 70% of the time. You know, I I don't want to make this, like, political unvaccinated versus vaccinated, but it's just, like, I agree. A lot of things aren't making sense. They aren't adding up. And I, I don't know. It's like, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, no, you also got, look at it, though. The, I think, what, 90% of the NBA is fully vaccinated, so it's not like they're going to be playing against whole teams that are unvaccinated. True, true, true. Just, you know I what don't I don't know. get? You know what What's I don't up? get? And, and I don't want to get canceled on our first episode. <laughs> <laughs> but, yo, let's say everyone on the Brooklyn Nets is vaccinated, but Kyrie. Isn't he safe? I think, yeah. Because her, her immunity, get... her immunity, it can't work only one way. Like, all right, everyone gets sick, so we all get sick, so nobody gets more sick. It has to work the other way with the vaccine, also. Like, if everyone's vaccinated, but I'm not, I'm like, we're good. You know what I'm saying? I, I get what you're saying. Absolutely. I think the threshold is like eighty percent. It should be eighty percent. It shouldn't be a hundred percent vaccinated. You know what I'm saying? I think, I think, you know, it's just, it was a tough thing. It goes back to the culture that we live in now, uh, I see it, you know, coaching my AU baseball team. It's a lot more, Wait, but I don't have a better term. It's just a lot more of a participation trophy type atmosphere. You know, exactly. if we're going to make one person do it, we, it's not you. 
You know, one person gets the trophy. It's a trophy. I see it every day, you know, and it, it, it is it is weird and annoying, but, uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of people over here about it, and I feel like it's just a generational thing. You know, a lot of people in this generation that are parents right now, the generation before us, um, they, I think, are trying, they, you know, they're trying to make up for what they feel they didn't receive as kids. They lived in a lot more of the tougher era. And I feel like they're trying to make sure their kids don't have to live like that or just live an easier life. I feel like it's more of a, a moral thing in their lifetime to provide their kids and spoil their kids, the stuff they didn't have, rather than, you know, try to raise them the right way. From what I've read is with every generation, the teaching, the parenting will change. You know, I, I heard a lot of people are actually very optimistic of our generation. You know, I, I think what? What are we, Gen we're Gen, like, why? Are we Y? I think, yeah, we're Y, right? We're Y. We're right before Z. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, we are. We're Generation yeah. Y. It's called other things, but we're Generation Y, the millennials. I think a lot of people are very optimistic to see us become parents because of the way we were brought up. They think we'll take that into our teaching. It would actually lead to a much more productive and healthier, in terms of mental health, uh, society for children is I'll have to mention some articles next time, but it, it's a good point. It's the society we're in. Everybody has to participate, and we don't know how to reason if they don't. You know what I mean? So, I agree. But uh, I think we got it all for sleeper teams. Jude, did you want to throw one in there? Because I know we were kind of talking about nah, the nah, I, the that. was a good team. That was a good team. I mean, from the east, I, the, other, the only other team I would have chose was probably Atlanta Hawks. Right. Do you think you can throw the Knicks in as a sleeper team? Because I know they did well last year, but I mean, I know. I mean, it's for them to like throw the it. The thing over is, when you when you look at sleeper teams, you're not looking at a team that can make it to the playoffs. You're looking at a team that can win in the playoffs, and I don't think the Knicks can win in the playoffs, man. That it's that's depressing. what I'm trying to get at. I I don't know. I I didn't know if you were trying to get at maybe sleeper to win like the Eastern Conference Finals. But I feel you. I feel you. Life of a Knicks fan, absolutely. Yeah, it's so, depressing. So, you know, with the season coming up, I think it's best that we, you know, since it's on record here, too, and we can't run from it, let me get let me get finals matchups. Let me get who you got and how many games, you know. Black taste that's it, kind of sore. Hey. You want me to go first? Go ahead, Dio. You always come with them spicy ones. Let me hear it. I got Bucks versus... Warriors. Who's winning? And I got the Bucks in six. All right, before we keep going, who's your MVP? MVP. You can go uh, MVP and finals MVP prediction if you want to go that. I don't really care. MVP, I think Donovan Mitchell. This is the year. Wow. Westchester's <laughs> finest. I love it. I think this is the year he gets he gets he gets his MVP. Damn. That's that's a hot take right there. I like it. Bold predictions. I like. I don't it. You think that's gonna happen, but I like it. Spicy. Definitely a reach. Spicy. Damn. Jude, go ahead, bro. Let me hear it. Uh, I think I'm gonna have to go Lakers. And hmm, that East one is a tough one. I, yo, this is this is it. This is the year. You ready for this? Yeah, I'm here. The Philadelphia 76ers. I love that. Mm. Love that. That's actually the yeah. Philadelphia 76ers. And you know who's taking MVP? Joel Embiid. 
Joel Embiid. Okay. So there it is. You, you had who you said Sixers over Lakers or Lakers over Sixers? Oh no, Lakers over Sixers. How many games? Five. Okay, five games. All right, I'm gonna go. This is gonna be crazy here. And I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go Sixers. I'll take. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go Sixers and six. Um, and I, I honestly, this is gonna be crazy, but I really think uh, Devin Booker to. Devin Booker's gonna go on a scoring barrage. Uh, you know, he's got that Kendall Jenner effect. He's riding with it. I really think he, this is the year he kind of just, like, leads into the promised land. But that promised land is being met with uh, the snipers known as Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. And I think we're <laughs> underrating, too, that Iguodala is added to that team. And yep. we all know that's Max Killam. MVP's right there. So. Um, Here's the thing with all these MVP picks, bro, is that unless they are the leading scorer in the NBA – there's other players that are doing too much of the other stuff, passing, rebounding, defending, that guys like Mitchell and Rob and Booker that aren't doing all of that shit except for scoring, it's hard for them to take the dub on it. No, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it definitely is. I mean, MVP in any sport, I feel like it's hard to pick. But, I mean, I don't know. I just – I'm. it kind of blows my mind that – generation, like that generation of guys, the guys that are in mid-20s right now, late-20s, haven't really – like surpass LeBron and Curry finally. Like Le- LeBron and Curry, Durant too, and, and you know they're still like those are probably the three names you think of in the NBA, and those are probably still the three best players in the NBA. Like I'm really waiting for one of these guys to enter that undoubtedly top five conversation. I think Giannis is the closest, but you can even make an argument. You don't forget about Hard. I don't know how quiet is right now. I think he might be 29, but I still put him with the LeBron and Curry generation over, you know, the younger guys. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of thinking this is the year they all take that next step and try to, like, claim the league for themselves, you know? Man, I think it's – no matter what year it's going to be, bro, for the next five years, it's going to be so hard to just do what Giannis is doing. It's unfair. Why do you say that? Ridiculous. Bro, there, there's literally no one in the NBA who can stop him from doing that for 82 games. Uh, no one. I don't know about that. Dude, who? Know about that. I think I think we've seen Kawhi clamp him up. I think honestly, it's Kawhi. But Davis... the thing is, yeah. But the thing is, is Kawhi <clears throat> playing him eighty-two times a year? Nah, that's the thing. Oh yeah, but I mean, you can say the same thing about Steph Curry. Nobody's clamping him up for eighty-two games a year. Nobody's clamping up. Honestly, LeBron, he really just tries to coast to the to the playoffs to win the ring. I really don't. Him or idea if they really wanted. So, I mean, like, yeah, yeah I mean, Curry's impressive. But the thing is, Curry's another guy that you could go with that pick because he's a guy that could drop 35 and 9, and that's those are MVP numbers easily. But Giannis is I doing honestly, 35, honestly, 11, and 11, and that shit is fucking Finals MVP prediction, if you want to go that. I don't really care. MVP, I think Donovan Mitchell, this is the year. Wow. Westchester's <laughs> finest. I love it. I think this is the year he gets, he gets, he gets his MVP. Damn, that's that's a hot take right there. I like it. Bold predictions. I like. Yeah, it. You I don't always think that's gonna reach. happen, but I like it. Spicy. That's definitely a reach. Spicy. Damn. Jew, go ahead, bro. Let me hear it. Uh I think I'm gonna have to go Lakers. And hmm, 
that East one is a tough one. I'm, yo, this is this is it. This is the year. You ready for this? Yeah, I'm here. The Philadelphia 76ers. Mm-hmm. I love that. Love that. That's actually the yeah. Philadelphia 76ers. And you know who's taking MVP? Joel and Bead. Joel and Bead. Okay. So there it is. You, you had who you said Sixers over Lakers or Lakers over Sixers? Oh no, Lakers over Sixers. How many games? Five. Okay, five games. All right, I'm gonna go. This is gonna be crazy here. And I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go Sixers. I'll take. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go Sixers and six. Um, and I, I honestly, this is gonna be crazy, but I really think uh, Devin Booker to. Devin Booker's gonna go on a scoring barrage. Uh, you know, he's got that Kendall Jenner effect. He's riding with it. I really think he, this is the year he kind of just like leads into the promised land, but that promised land is being met with uh, the snipers known as Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. And I think we're underrating too that Iguodala's added to that team. And yep. We all know that's Max Killer. MVP's right there. Um, Here's the thing with all these MVP picks, bro, is that unless they are the leading scorer in the NBA, there's other players that are doing too much of the other stuff, passing, rebounding, defending, that guys like Mitchell and Rob and Booker that aren't doing all of that shit except for scoring, it's hard for them to take the dub on it. No, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it definitely is. I mean, MVP in any sport, I feel like it's hard to pick. But, I mean, I don't know. I just – I'm. it kind of blows my mind that – like that generation of guys, the guys that are in mid twenties right now, late twenties, haven't really like surpassed LeBron and Curry finally. Like Le- LeBron and Curry, Durant too, and, and you know they're still like those are probably the three names you think of in the NBA, and those are probably still the three best players in the NBA. Like I'm really waiting for one of these guys kind of enter that undoubtedly top five conversation. I think Giannis is the closest, but you can even make an argument. Don't forget about Hart. I don't know how quiet is right now. I think he might be 29, but I still put him with the LeBron and Curry generation over, you know, the younger guys. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of thinking this is the year they all take that next step and try to, like, claim the league for themselves, you know? Man, I think it's no matter what year it's going to be, both the next five years, it's going to be so hard to just do what Giannis is doing. It's unfair. That's Why do you say ridiculous. that? Bro, there, there's literally no one in the NBA who can stop him from doing that for 82 games. Uh, no one. I don't know about that. Who? I think I think we've seen Kawhi clamp him up. I think, honestly, is Kawhi. But Davis, the thing is, yeah. But the thing is, is Kawhi <clears throat> playing him 82 times a year? Not. Nah, that's the thing. Oh yeah, but I mean, you can say the same thing about Steph Curry. Nobody's clamping him up for 82 games a year. Nobody's clamping up. Honestly, LeBron. He really just tries to coast to the to the playoffs to win the ring. I really don't him or AD if they really wanted. So I mean, like, yeah, yeah I mean, Curry's impressive. But the thing is, Curry's another guy that you could go with that pick because he's a guy that could drop thirty-five and nine, and that's those are MVP numbers easily. But Giannis is I doing honestly, 35, honestly, 11, and eleven, and that shit is fucking retarded. I honestly think the only reason. Curry, I didn't take Curry for MVP, even though he's my favorite player. Is, is just the same thing that happened this year. I really just think the voters, just, like we've seen with LeBron, they just get tired of voting for the same guy. You know, like how did I understand? Fucked. Huh? 
it's kind of fucked because if you look at LeBron's numbers every year, bro, I mean, the guy's the best player in the fucking NBA. No, absolutely. And, I, you know, I'm not saying Jokic didn't deserve it, but, I mean, Steph Curry was being double and triple teamed every game. I think those factors need to be considered. He led the NBA in scoring while doing it, and I think he shot for still like a career high. And what they're going to say is, oh, I've seen this before, and I've seen him do better than that. And it's like, right. bro. Just because his like he set the standard so high doesn't mean he's not fucking MVP. Like I, they want to see you go forty five and fifteen and fifteen or some shit nowadays. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh. A little question, real quick. Go Yo, for it, Julian. You you were talking about like um, <laughs> how other players could do more, like assists, rebound, and all that. Mm-hmm. But do you think do do you think Westbrook has watered that down a little bit? The thing is more of Westbrook's shooting because he's so inefficient that it's like, yeah, bro, you throw up 30 shots a game. No shit, you're going to score a lot. But it's like Giannis is doing that, and he's shooting, what, over 50% from the field because all his, most of his shots are coming in the paint. He's not a shooter. Shaq was anymore. doing the same thing, dude. Yeah, Shaq was doing the same shit. And how many, how many MVPs is Shaq won? One. One, that's it. Yeah, I mean, the thing is big men is hard because it's like they're kind of – one-dimensional it's either they're going to score and rebound and then you have guys like Jokic who are passing the ball as well and that's why he won the MVP the guy can do everything but Shaq yeah, but my point that. what my point my point is 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 Westbrook did Westbrook water that down though like are gonna look at him be like all right this guy he's almost averaging a triple double but we've seen that before this guy's scoring 35 a game let's get I don't, it to him I don't think he watered it down I think when voters look at it they look at it of how he did it as well like did he do it efficiently? Like, that matters. They're not going to go give it to somebody that's throwing up 50 shots a game and scoring 25 points a game. Like, yeah, you scored 25 points, but how you did it matters as well. So 25, 8, and 8, or 32, 6, and 4? Who are you giving the MVP to? Yeah, but you don't. You can't just look at that. you got to give me some field goal percentage as well. I'm just saying. They're, they're shooting 50% from the field and, like, let's say, like, 35. Both of, both of them are shooting the same thing? Yeah. And what were the numbers? It was 25, 8, and 8, or 32, 6, and 4. <clears throat> I'm going to go with the 30, 32, 6, and 4. Exactly. So, like, I feel like Donovan could average that. And if someone, like, let's say, like, Luca averages 27, 8, and 8, like, you can give it to you – can, you can justify giving it to Mitchell. You know what I'm saying? I yeah, agree with you. I agree with you. I just think – I honestly think before you go, dude, I really think Westbrook watered – I really think he watered it down, dude. I really yes. do because, like, Westbrook was still out in Washington this year getting triple doubles, and nobody cared, and they just wanted to talk about how he wasn't a shell of – he was just a shell of himself because I really think people just, like, thought be, he because he does it so often, they're like, ah, oh, it's not impressive anymore. And it doesn't equate to wins, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. And the, but that's another thing. That's why I'm saying like it's gonna be so hard to take it from Giannis, for the fact that that guy is doing all this, and at the same time he's two timing as a defensive player of the year candidate every year as well. Like the guy does it all. And but I don't understand. This is why I don't get. And this is why I, like no, this is no offense to Giannis. His perimeter defense for what he is a six eleven big guy is yeah. good. It's good, but it's not like. Outstanding. Like you look at a guy like Draymond Green and Kawhi, they're doing both. They're interior threats defensively, they're perimeter threats, like elitely on both ends. So this is why I'm just kind of like, yes, Giannis is the probably one or two top rim protectors in the game today. But like, why is he so 
like running away with defensive players of the year when we clearly see guys like Kawhi and Draymond are better all around defenders and they're not really going away either. They're not, it's not like they're declining in terms of their defense. You know what I mean? I think but, the big thing is just like how much people are challenging Giannis as well. Cause they're, you look out West, that's different. And in the East, you got Kevin Durant as a small forward. That's the only other guy that is really going to like put up some fucking solid numbers on Giannis without having to drive. A lot of these small forward power forwards, they're going to be down in the paint, and that's where Giannis is just making everybody look like, damn, bro, you can't score on him down there. And it's not that – I don't think he's being challenged enough in the perimeter for it to be like, oh, wow, he really ain't like that from the perimeter. And he still has he still has room to improve. And that's scary. I mean, that's bro. That is scary. Uh, it's the best sense, yeah, you seen that? You seen the game? His last game in the preseason? Oh my God, he was looking at like KD. Yeah, he was putting up. He pulled up first shot of the game three. Hey man, more. hey man, I'm just gonna use that same cliche though. I'll take preseason. Here's go. His first game, he went four for four from three, and everybody was like, "Oh shit, the shot might not be broke." But yeah, if Giannis could shoot. He might be the greatest player of all time. Yeah, I don't. But here, here's my question. Who's, here's my question. And I, I have my answer. I'm going to tell you my answer before you guys answer. Like, let's say Ben Simmons and Giannis both learn to shoot. Who's better? It's, I, it's Ben. Ben would be the best player in the league yeah, by it's, far. It's, if he could shoot. Yeah, it's Ben. It's definitely Ben. I don't know about that. But can, why? why? Can Giannis – he wouldn't be able to facilitate still. And Ben is like a – And yeah, here's the thing. Okay, what, is one, what is one thing Ben – like, what is his – what's one thing that he's great at? Defense. Well, uh, Passing. I'd say handles. No, but what, handles. What's, his, what, what's his what's his best attribute? I honestly think it's it's his sight, it's his vision. Yeah, his vision, right? Yeah. Okay, what's Deion's best attribute? It's his uh, uh, athletic ability. His athletic, his post work, bro. He's unstoppable down low unstoppable there's nothing about know. ben guys Simmons are we that forgetting that series though why are we forgetting that raptor series Kawhi destroyed this man on d i don't know if he's unstoppable that's yeah. Kawhi. you're talking about the best you're talking about the best defender in the league his I name is the, his name is the claw for the for a reason I but yeah that, the but... way you got to think of it is ben simmons if he could shoot Look how much that game would change because now he's going to have so many more opportunities to set other people up because he's not being left wide the fuck open anymore. But does it take away from the guy's not sitting in the paint. I don't think it's – if anything, it adds to his game. Dio, why do you think it would – what do you think it would take away if he could shoot like 38% from three? I just think like it it takes away his like – his passing ability to an an extent. You know what I'm saying? Do you think he would get more? Do you think he would? You think he would go more score heavy, like score first? Yes, hundred percent. But let me ask you something. So you don't think if he was able to score at that at that rate and shoot and all that, you don't think he would kind of like have that LeBron thing or effect where he would still look to pass first and then score? You actually think he would just become more of a pure scorer? He would become more of a pure scorer because LeBron came in with a with a shot. You know what I'm saying? It was a little broken, but he came in with a. But the shot that he wasn't afraid to take, this right. guy's afraid to shoot. So if he builds that confidence, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna lead to overconfidence. You know what I'm saying? So he's gonna shoot too much. The thing is, you're looking at two players at different phases in their lives in the NBA career. LeBron came in and he was trying to prove to everybody that he can live up to his royalty, just being LeBron James coming out of high school shit. And he was taking all the shots on the team 
And then you look at the team he was on, like, bro, who yeah, else is going to take a shot? Yeah, but you look at Ben, he comes into the league, everyone's like, you can't shoot, you can't score. He, he, if he develops a jump shot and he starts shooting, they're going to bully him to shoot more. You know what I'm saying? So then he's going to turn into it, a volume shooter I don't think instead the of thing actual... Is, I don't think he's going to be forced to shoot more because you, you're forgetting. You know? His handles are crazy still. And he's a guy that can get to the paint against other fucking point guards or shooting guards, whoever has, the fuck is guarding. Pr- he has to prove himself to his team, to the media, to the league that he can score. You know what I'm saying? So he's gonna he's gonna try yeah, to do but, that. But over. now we're we're under the consider we're under the assumption that he can score here too. You gotta remember that. So if we're under the assumption that he can score and he doesn't have to prove it to anybody, how is he losing like a part of his game? You can't add something without taking away from something else. Uh, see, I don't agree. I agree. I like where your thought, your head is, because I genuinely do. It's something to think about. Like, you don't know the mentality of this guy. And if he can shoot, will it become more about him and, and kind of like get rid of his passing? But I don't agree with what you just said. I don't think you have to take something away all the time when you add something. I don't think it's just like a given like that. This is all good. Before we head out for this episode, and and one thing I want to start off talking about, you guys can feel free to add your own topics as we go along. But one thing I want to start talking about, it's becoming hot in the news, is are the Browns destroying OBJ? <clears throat> I feel very strongly about this. <clears throat> I have my own opinions, but Ju, I'm gonna let you start off on this, being that we're both Giants fans, and you know OBJ started off with us. So please take us away, add some insight. Honestly, if OBJ is playing anywhere else but Cleveland, that motherfucker is an all-pro every year. Bro, the, the guy is one of the best route runners. He's got one of the best hands and the NFL has ever seen, and the guy's getting, what, four looks a game? Like, it he got sucks seven that he this went... weekend. I want to say he got seven this Ooh. past Sunday. And, and then you got, you got to look at who's throwing him the ball. Like, bro, Baker Mayfield is good. But he's not good enough to take the Cleveland Browns to that next level, and and then they're just so dependent on the run game that it's just it's he's not going to have enough looks there. And then you got too many mouths to feed. Honestly, they they have a lot of weapons on that team, and they're relying a lot on their running backs to make plays in the passing game as well. And it's it's not a good. I don't think it's a great spot for for OBJ to be at if he's anywhere else. You look at bro. Imagine if he went to fucking L.A. or some shit. Any of the L.A. teams. That guy's easily thousand yard season every year. There's one team that's a realistic destination though. Who? Come on, man. Packers. Yeah, bro. The, yo, the thing is, Aaron Rodgers isn't coming back next year. It's already set in stone. But I there's mean, a trade deadline. Why wouldn't it exactly. be able to happen this year? Exactly. Yeah. And then you got to exactly. look at it like. It, I mean, I would pull the trigger if I'm fucking Packers because you throw them a six round pick. They're gonna take. I think they're gonna take that deal because OBJ is just. He's an afterthought at this point in Cleveland. Well, let me I think, ask you guys I think he this. rushed. No, Dio, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your thought. I, I think he rushed He rushed his uh, his return. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think he should have taken this year. He should have came back this year, like, week seven, week eight, instead of the beginning of the season. Bro, he, he should, looks good, though. It's not about looking good, bro. I think he's trying to prove himself to his team. That's why he came back a little bit early. Mm. There's a lot of pressure that he's dealing with up there. I think he needs. I think he needs a reset, to be honest. And the best no, place to go, needs a reset. best place to go is Green Bay. Well, well, here's my question. That this is exactly what I wanted to ask. I want to stay on topic here, but I want to just kind of shift it a little bit and see what you guys think. OBJ right now has played in 
Four games. He has 203 yards on 14 receptions. That's good for 14 and a half yards a game. How many he targets? Hasn't had a, targets. How many? Yeah, he doesn't get targeted that much. You're right. Absolutely. Okay, how many does he have? Seven and a half targets a game. No, no, no. Sorry, I mean, sorry. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. He doesn't have seven and a half targets a game. It's about uh, he's roughly he's averaging roughly around four to five in the middle of that. But what I want to ask is he hasn't had a thousand yard season since 19, his first year in Cleveland. You know, we don't know what he is. You guys are talking about injury. I'm still I still think he'd be an elite receiver in this league without a doubt. The Packers are five and one, kind of running away with their division. The Browns are in last three and three in their division. Is it even worth the Packers' time to take a look at this? Yes. You know, yeah, resident Packers fan, you, you think the Packers are – I know you might think it is, and you can go on that, but do you really think the Packers are actually realistic in getting this, and why so? It depends on, like, what they're asking for OBJ. Because if it's a six-round pick, then, yeah, I think we're in, I think we're at the top of the list. Even but five. If, even a five, exactly. But if it takes, like, a, a – a third round pick or anything more than anything less than that, then I don't, I don't think we pulled the trigger. Absolutely. My, my whole thought process is the Packers, I think are clearly even at this point going to run away with the North. I mean, anything can happen, but I think they are. And obviously they're going to be a playoff team. What I, what I don't think is guaranteed. They have, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the league right now. I still think Brady is elite. Brady's a, a champ, but I still think Rodgers is in the peak of his powers, you know, yeah. and I still think he's the best quarterback in the league right now in terms of combination of physical and mental, and I still don't think that's enough to top the Bucks come playoff time. I think what OBJ does for them, I, believe without him. I think they become legitimate Super Bowl contenders and one of, if not the actual favorite for the title if he joins the Packers. Because, I mean, I saw it. On ESPN, man, there's rumors that LBJ might go to Tampa, and if that happens, like, <laughs> good luck, you know, like, at that he'll point, be, good he'll luck. Be in the the, rest he'll of be in the same. He'll be in the same situation he is now. There's only one ball. Yeah, but that's, I, dude, that's a terrible I, I have, place. I have to say this about Brady. We all know he's the goat. The one thing that man actually still to this day does better than anybody, and I saw this when Gronk before he got hurt, he was getting everybody touches. Yeah. He was like. He features one guy a game. Like, he, there'll be one guy per game he clearly goes to. But everybody's getting touches. Everybody's getting a lot of targets or a good amount of targets, more than you think would happen when you have, like, eight threats. And then I, they were catching the ball and just good things. are. I think you're starting to see a favorite in there, though. Yeah, Antonio Brown's clearly becoming the favorite. Absolutely. And- I don't know that it's going to be so – I mean, what is, what are Mike Evans' numbers right now? Because I don't think he's been having any game where he's really gone off. Has he, he had hasn't, but, I mean, you think about last year, too, he wasn't. He, but what Brady was doing, he was getting him his tutties. Like, his, his yards went down, but his touchdowns were going through the roof. Like, look, he I mean, barely eclipsed 1,000 yards. This is a guy that had over 1,200 yards every year in his career except two. And he, he got 1,060 yards last year. But he got a career-high 13 touchdowns. And then this year, he's already at 420 yards with four touchdowns six games in. What you're not thinking about is last year, first half of the season, they were doing all of this without Antonio Brown. Absolutely. So, we'll see how sustainable it is for a full year. My argument is, Brown right Mm -hmm. now has less yards and the same amount of touchdowns. Brown has two less yards 
uh, same amount of touchdowns. So it's like, and he's not. He and only started in two games. I think. What's the target anybody, distribution? I that you can figure out because I really don't even think that matters. I honestly think the odd man out here in Tampa is Godwin, but I think Evans was always the guy they wanted to make happy. Anyways, I think they can live without Godwin. Because you got a guy like Scotty Miller coming out. Like, he's not the greatest, but he's still a deep threat, and that's what they need, a little speed guy to mix in with these other two elite receivers. And I think as long as they keep one of them happy, they're fine. Because like you said, they did most of this without Antonio Brown, and now Antonio Brown is healthy, and I really think they think Chris Godwin's expendable, especially now that they're 5-1. and one. Two of those games happened without their starting tight end. So I just don't – I think Godwin, if anything, is an odd man out. I don't, I don't see it that way because now if you're bringing in Odell Beckham, that's a guy that's – he's still on the contract for, what, another year after this one as well? I believe so, yes. That, and that, how much is that, like 25 mil? I mean, uh, you're not going to have to pay Godwin $25 million to stay. That's another thing. And this is – Godwin's – he's turned into one of the best receivers in the league as well, and, and that's without having – as many targets as the top ones. I mean, but I'm looking at Godwin's numbers right now, too, and he's still at 409 yards, two touchdowns. So, like I said, Brady's really – he's just sharing the love at this point. And I feel like OBJ would easily fit into that, and they would just make one well, of how? these. Because you – here's my thing. Like, you have to just accept. Like, look, Godwin, love you. You're a great receiver. OBJ's better. OBJ arguably would be the best receiver on our team if he comes in. Like, I'm going to have to make him happy. One of you guys has to go, and I think it would be Godwin. Godwin will be on the team, but, you know. It makes no fucking sense. Uh, you can say that, man. This is where the debates start, but I it really think It makes no fucking sense. Why would I'm, you try I'm to you. I think ruin team chemistry by benching Chris to Godwin, Day, but... who's had two straight 1,000-yard seasons and is cheaper than OBJ? He's still a game changer. You've got three game changer receivers and Gronk when he's healthy. Even then, you have OJ Howard, who's not a slouch tight end. No, he's not. But and, I, I mean, and then, and you have to factor in the fact that they are starting to run the ball is lethal, and the fact that Leonard Fournette is RB one is going to be a fucking game changer. For that's us the game. That's the game changer for them this season. Yeah, bro. He forgot. He was. He was what, why are we saying that? He was there last year. But he wasn't the star. He wasn't the legitimate number one. I mean, look at and he he came in like week two or something, right? Yeah, Ronald Jones ran for nine hundred plus yards. So now you're giving all those carries to your RB one Leonard Fournette instead, and this guy's way better than fucking Ronald Jones. I don't. He didn't get the the whole. Go ahead, go ahead, Dio. Go ahead. They were saying they were saying how he didn't even get the playbook till like, yo, who's typewriting crazy over there? I don't know. Yeah, that that sounded crazy. That was. But yeah. They were saying how, like, he didn't even get the playbook till like, after the bye week. That's when, like, they started rolling. It's because Brady always predicates his game on the run game. And yep. now, that he has, now that he has Leonard in there and he's not fumbling the ball like Rojo, like, it's a huge difference. It's a huge – I don't think they need OBJ. I think we're going names here, though. Like, I think we're really, like – like, Leonard Fournette was a big name coming out of college, and he had a 1,000-yard season – Two years ago in Jacksonville, but we forget Jacksonville still cut ties with him, and that's how he ended up in Tampa in the first place. Because they didn't, they didn't, because they don't want to pay him. Exactly. And, and, just, and to be honest, know. and to be know. honest, and to be honest, in the NFL, you don't pay running backs like that. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, but like I think we're really sleeping on the fact that why are we sleeping on the fact that Ronald Jones? 
even though the name power doesn't hold the same weight. Can you repeat that? Leonard Fournette clearly is a bigger name than Ronald Jones. Leonard Fournette's clearly a bigger name than Ronald Jones. But we can't just assume just because he's a bigger name, he's the better player. And that's what I feel like we're doing a little bit of right now. That's I don't think it's that. I think he's a, big, he's a better player for the fact that he brings the power element of the game into this now. He's a guy that if he gets one, two contact at the line of scrimmage, he can still get you five yards as to Ronald Jones getting you two or three. Like, and that's a big difference. It's a game of yards. It's just, and it's going to be just way too much. And then now you throw him into the passing game, and he's doing the same shit for you in the passing game as well. You just give him a little dump off. He's going 20-something yards with probably 15 of that coming after contact. It's hard to bring a guy like him down. Okay. Okay. So, let me ask you guys this. Who do you have coming out of each division? Each division? I mean, if we're going – NFC East, that's already gone. Give the Cowboys that. No fucking team is good. The Giants are fucking atrocious. They look like fucking, I don't even know, a high school football team trying to play football out there. They're trying to kill Daniel Jones. This is a guy that was fucking, he was looking at like five different fields at once while he was walking off the field two weeks ago. And now they're they're running QB sneaks with him again. While you're down 35 to three, what the fuck are you doing? So yeah, I'm I'm done with the Giants. All right. Um, ooh, that AFC West. Hey, sleep. Uh, yeah, I'm still going with the Raiders in there. I like the Raiders. I like getting rid of John Gruden. I like freeing up Derek Carr. I think their passing game is lethal if they're able to keep Rugs occupied with, with targets. That's it. If they they need Rugs to have an a thousand yard season or average 80-something yards a game in order to make it to the playoffs. They're not going to do that with just targeting Darren Waller. And, I, and I mean, you look at the Chiefs. They're not the Chiefs anymore. They're not yeah, that they're number really one not. team. It's, it's, I, I don't even know that they're a playoff team because even in their same division, you look at the Chargers. The Chargers are the real deal. Yeah. Aside from getting their asses handed to last weekend. Absolutely. So, I don't know about that. Uh, you got the Packers coming out of there. That's easy as well. I don't think – the thing is with the Bears, they don't have the right coaching staff to, to really play to Justin Fields' strength. Because, I mean, if you look at the games that he has success in, it's them running RPOs and throwing the ball deep because he is one of the better deep ball passers coming out of college as well. And you look at the game he had, and Darnell Mooney is one of the fastest receivers in the NFL. He had, what, 125 yards receiving on, like, five catches. Yeah. Like, what are you doing giving all these short-ass passes? And then he's – the other thing is they have to give him plays where he's rolling outside of the pocket because he can throw on the run. And they're keeping him inside a pocket that's just atrocious. They have no offensive line. Their second-round offensive tackles out for the year already. And you just have to be able to create offense other ways than running the ball up the middle and short passes and keeping him in the pocket. It's just not playing to his strengths. So that coaching staff definitely has to go in order for them to even – have a chance of beating the Packers. Uh, uh, what other divisions do I got left there? You have the AFC. You have sorry, the NFC West. You have the, uh, <laughs> NFC, the NFC South, West. and then the AFC South, and the AFC East, and the AFC North. You've left. Yeah, the NFC West has my pick for the upcoming Super Bowl, man. 
the Los Angeles Rams are making it. Are they're gonna beat the Bucks? Dio's ears can hear this one too. I told him out of the NFC West is coming the NFC champion in the I Los heard Angeles you. I heard, Rams. I heard, you heard that? I, heard. I want you to hear me loud and clear because <laughs> that team with Matthew Stafford is fucking crazy. Are they even gonna win that division though? That's a great point, Cardinal. I think I still they don't have to win the division. That's the thing. Well, we're picking gonna, division winners. I thought. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now. We're picking division winners. I'm still going the fucking Rams. <laughs> I still fucking yeah. I I just don't think that team is sustainable in Arizona in terms of defense to to just keep on winning like this, especially in the first year. <laughs> yeah. So I want to. I'm still going to L.A. They, and then that experience, even if they don't even make it out of the division on top, they're still going to be able to – that defense is just too good. It is. Too good. And then you pair it with somebody outside of Jared Goff, and it's Matthew Stafford. There, It's – oh, my God. So many th- good things are going to happen there. <sighs> we, see North AFC South, and then you got, I think, the um, – you're, you're also missing the um, – the NFC South. Those are the three you're missing right now, Jew. So you said AFC North, AFC, and AFC South? Yeah, and the East, honestly. I mean, this is a kind no, of no. easy pick. The, the East, I started off with the East easily. I said the Cowboys were running away with that division. AFC East, buddy. Oh, AFC East, bro. AFC East, come on, man. Is that a real? Is that a rhetorical question? They finally doing it, man. They finally doing it. The, the Bills are taking the AFC East. Easy, easy, hands down. Um, I even think the Jets are going to beat the Patriots this week. That's how. That's how I think life is going right now. Nice. That's going to be yo, Theo. If you need a bet, throw that one in there. It'll get you some money. Yikes. <laughs> yo, AFC North. Give me the Cincinnati Bengals, boy. Wow. Are you serious? Wow. Cincinnati Bengals, boy. I don't give a fuck what anybody has to say about their offensive line. If they're getting the ball out to Jamar Chase, it's over. Over. Give him 125 targets like they gave fucking Justin Jefferson in Minnesota last year, and that motherfucker's going to have an 1,800-yard season. You got T. Higgins. You got Joe Mixon. Too many weapons on offense. Not to mention, we're forgetting about Tyler Boyd. Still a fucking – he's a great receiver out there as well. And that's your number three. Like, bro, that offense is too good. And their defensive backs on defense is good enough to keep the res- any other receiver in that conference on the wrap. I mean, what other receiver in that conference is really that good? It's not about that, bro. Who's the number one team in that division? Yeah, the Ravens. Ravens. I'm looking at the, I'm looking and at the Ravens. And I, I'm, yeah, they're running attack, but I still don't think that they can – I don't know how much they can play catch-up running the ball as well. You look at any game that the Ravens have struggled in, it's been the game of playing catch-up. And I just think if the Bengals are able to t- have a takeaway – early in the game and have a two-touchdown lead and just keep on scoring on top of that, it's going it's to force, you know, Lamar to throw the ball, and that's where he struggles most in terms of, like, having to really bring a team back just throwing the ball alone. I don't know. It's going to be tough, and I, I still think Cincinnati's going to take this, and it's going to come down to that last game of the season. But I really like Cincinnati. I, that's a young team. That's going to be a team that's going to be on top for a while. The next ten years, probably. I don't know. Now, who do you have coming out of the uh, AFC South here, Jew? Uh, it's 
the Titans, bro. Who the, did you not see last night's game? Yeah, I know. Who the fuck can stop King Henry? And Dio, go ahead, Darius No, bro. Those, yo, Darius Leonard, he's yeah. making business decisions for his next contract when he sees that motherfucker running at him. <laughs> I don't give a fuck what you, anybody out there. Yo, I ain't going to lie. Edmonds was, yeah, he was laying the stick on. Only dude I ever seen that was just easily taking him down behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, let me hear them eight picks. All right, so I'm going to do the AFC first. Go ahead. I got the Bills. Yeah. AFC West, I got the the Chiefs. I just think they're going to bounce back. Absolutely. They're only one game They're only one game behind first. Yeah. Let's not, let's yeah. not overreact here. Absolutely, absolutely right. AFC North, the Ravens, obviously. AFC South, I got the Titans. I was going to go Colts, but I like the Titans. NFC, I like the Cowboys. <laughs> The West, I like the Rams to come out of there. The North, come on. You don't even have to ask that. Yeah. And then, <laughs> NFC South, and this is where it gets tricky. The Saints. You're taking the Saints over the Bucks. Wow. Ballsy move. Any reasoning for that? Hot take of the day right there. Yo, yo they, they have allowed the least amount of points. Their defense is still good. Yeah, can Jameis lose them a couple games? A hundred percent. I don't. I don't trust them to go far in the playoffs at all. I think they're one and done in the playoffs. But can they win the division? I think so. And I think I think Sean Payton has a game plan for Brady that works for Brady. You know. Yeah. So, you know, we're closing in here on our first episode. We made some hot takes. We had some great discussions. I want to open the floor here on any closing remarks. Please feel free to. Say whatever you guys want, anything, last words, or any topic you wish. Before we do that, though, I do have some breaking news you guys might have missed while we were recording. Doc Rivers did throw Ben Simmons out of practice about an hour ago, and it led to a suspension from the team. If that's going to add to any closing remarks. <laughs> he's, so, he's trying to get out of here. Yeah. So, that's, feel, that's feel free. Floor, floor is open. <clears throat> it's been fun, guys. Uh, this is our first episode. Uh, for the viewers out there who are listening or are going to listen, we're going to get more flagrant at this. You know what I'm saying? This is just the first the first episode. You know, we're just holding back a little bit, trying to be professional. But we're going to open up, and it's going to be a good time. I'm glad you guys are a part of it. Yeah, one, one thing I forgot to bring up when we were talking about baseball is uh, I don't know if you guys are following. Nah, you guys probably don't. I'm a Yankees fan. But um, – Brian Cashman had a interview today with Yes Network about, you know, the whole season and what the plans are for the offseason. And he led off by saying that shortstop is going to be a move they're going to have to make this year. So now, in what direction do you guys see the Yankees going in this? I, that's what I would like to see from non-fans of the Yankees over here. Well, these are the shortstops that are free agents this year. Correa, Story. Corey Seager, Javi Baez, Jose Iglesias, Freddie Galvis, um, <coughs> Simeon. You can throw in Marcus Simeon there. Si- Simeon. Who of those would you guys be targeting? You know what I'm saying? I think I think most likely you guys want you guys want Corey Seager, but I feel like you guys are gonna land like Trevor Story. The thing is, he said <clears throat> with an emphasis on defense, they need a shortstop. Then Carrera is your guy. 
Yeah, I think Correa is the guy. And I really think what happens now is they package Glaver and one of the top prospects you guys have, whether it be Peraza or Volpe, away. And I think it's just the Yankees' method of success. They've always traded really good players away, not necessarily because they're giving up on them, but because they're trying to win now. It's a cutthroat environment. And I th- From what you're telling me, I think it's just looking more and more. Carlos Correa will be the starting shortstop in New York next year. And you, you might have seen the last of – Glaber Torres in pinstripes. You know, you know what I'm thinking. I, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of the move, but I don't think they're willing to give up on like Peraza and Volpe and have to pay that much money. Because now, in that interview as well, he did emphasize like how are people being like, like coming at him for the fact that they need to spend more money when they've spent the second most money in baseball already. Money, they don't know what the budget is looking like. I really think that they're going to end up going for somebody like Andrelton Simmons to take that one-year gap year pretty much, I would say, until somebody's ready from AAA to come up and be that next shortstop for the Yankees. Because I don't – and the thing is, I don't see them moving off from Gabe Torres either. We'll see. I, I mean, see it's going to be an interesting thing heading into the offseason. I don't know if yeah. the Yankees will go that route. but we'll have, a, we'll have a nice podcast on that one come winter meetings. Sheesh. Yeah, it's fact. <laughs> so thank you guys all for joining us. This is the Clearly Confused Podcast for uh, Dio Infante, Julian Lopez. I'm Peter Pena, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace.